0: Boy, y'all are, I can tell y'all are nervous to say it. I just don't know if it's the right thing. Jesus healed my mind, and we said the biggest issue in the mind revolves around fear, fear, and the antidote for that is peace, peace. So how many are going to help me preach today? Y'all going to help me more than y'all just did on that? Okay, all right, but Jesus is going to help us today, and I really think that we're going to, we're conquering some things, and I'll, I'll said this a few Wednesday nights ago, and I'll say it again before I start today. I always know when the devil doesn't like you to be on, t- on his territory, because he starts throwing a fit, and uh, we preached about relationships, and we're not preaching surface stuff. Because we're talking about this name that above above all name, digging down into people's life and healing stuff. And I, it's been funny to me. I get tickled by it. Maybe it's kind of messed up. But anyways, because the devil always shows up when you start digging deep. And he has fought and wrestled people's relationships lately, messed with people and their mind, messed with people and addictions. But I'm going to tell you something. And I'm excited today or where I'm going into. And he may mess with you a little bit. But I'm going to tell you, the good thing is, the good thing is, I can give you a ton of stories right here through this series of what God has done. Don't you stop when the devil starts a fighting. Because you know you're about on the winning side. You are already on the winning side of it, and you're about to get victory in that area. So don't let the, you know, he's just throwing up something, a little smoke shield, to try to scare you off. How many of you say, Jesus healed my? Jesus healed my. And whatever area that is for you, He can do that. So call on that name and believe in that name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Today I'm going into the fourth part of that, and that is Jesus healed my finances. Jesus healed my finances. Now, before I get going into that again, I want to say this. Next weekend, I'm just going to preach Jesus healed my body. And I'm telling you that for a reason Because everybody knows somebody's sick. And I want you to bring somebody with you next week. I know it's the first week of spring break and you want to start chasing Nemo. But if you can find a a sick person, we don't preach on Jesus healed my body every weekend. We always believe that he can do it. But we are focusing our attention for healing in people's bodies. And he has already done this in other areas that we preach. I'm absolutely believing that the Lord is going to heal some people next week. I absolutely believe. And I want you to do something with me. And I know I'm taking a long time here. But I want to know if you will fast one day with me this week. Because in all of the areas that we have preached... The Lord is delivering people, and I believe he's going to do it for today and what we're going to preach about, and he's going to do it next week combined with the other things. And I, want you to, I, want you, I don't want you to lift your hands, but I want you to just, just join with me in your heart that you'll fast one 24-hour period during this week and just saying, God, we consecrate ourselves today. We consecrate our bodies. We are absolutely believing that you're going to do a work this coming weekend when we preach about this. I really feel like the Lord has given me something to preach already for next week, and I really want you to be here, and let's see God do some great things. One more time, give God a big shout of praise. Can you do it? Amen. Jesus healed my finances. I am going to start off by telling you what I think is the main problem with all financial trouble. And... You may disagree with me in these areas and you're free to do so. But the main problem, I feel like, in all financial trouble is this crazy little word that gets really big in our life called greed. Somebody say greed. greed. Let me tell you a little bit about greed. greed. Greed is a nasty thing. Greed turns love into lust. You just can't get enough And so you got to turn it into something else. Greed does that. It turns leisure into lazy. It turns hunger into gluttony. It turns honor into pride. It turns righteous indignation into anger. And it turns admiration into envy. It never has enough. It always seeks more. And when it gets through... It is something that is nasty and will destroy your life. If it were not for greed, we would suffer fewer of the other vices in our life. Greed has a way of taking something that's absolutely beautiful and reducing it down to a price tag. How much is it worth? If I were making a list of deadly sins, I would have to put, greed right at the top of the list. In fact, Jesus made a list of things that were going to cause you to miss the kingdom of heaven, and in, those, in that list, he labeled greed as one of those things. Now, you say, Pastor, why would you put greed at the top of the list? And I'm going to run to 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10. It says, for the love of money. Everybody say love of money. Notice what it it does not say, for money is a root of all kinds of evil. I was younger in my ministry and was preaching a message one time and said that, and I got corrected very quickly, and they were very right to do so, because it's not money that is the problem, it's the love of money, and when you have a love of money, there is a root and it roots into things that it's all kinds of evils in your life. You hear it? It is one of the highest things on the sin category, if I can say, because it is linked to so many other different vices. It's the root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving. Hear it? A craving. You just can't get enough. You just can't get enough that some have wandered away from the faith, and I'll add even in this local assembly, and then look at this, and pierce themselves with many sorrows. I've got love of money, root, and pierce amplified in this verse because I want you to see them. It's not money but the love of, it's the root of it, and it says this, and when you get this in you, It strips away some things. You start losing your faith and it it causes you to pierce yourself with many things. Sorrows. When I heard that, I, I, I've been reading and working on this this week. But last night, something jumped out at me in this text, and that is that it pierces. It causes you to pierce yourself with many sorrows. Greed causes you to pierce yourself with sorrow. But when I read about Jesus, I find that when he was on the cross, he was pierced on the cross far me. And when he was pierced, two things came out blood and water which is a huge process of salvation that he typifies the need for blood and water in salvation but it's more than just that, when he was pierced on that cross and that blood came forth that is the blood, that is the redemptive blood to heal such things as greed that if you don't get a healing of, you'll start piercing yourself and trying to bleed over the old sorrows that they created. But I got news for you. When Jesus did his finished work, he calls and take care of some things in your life that you have no need to pierce yourself with sorrows if you follow in God's plan. Does that make sense? I used to believe that the poor really did not have to deal with greed because I associated greed with with quantity, and possibly as we start talking about that today, you may kind of take yourself out of the message because you say, Well, I'm not rich, or I'm, I'm poor, or I'm, I'm just a middle class Joe, and, and, and I don't have this, and so I don't deal with pride. But and, and that's the way that I may have used to thought about that because I thought a quantity is going to create greed in yourself, but that is not, it is not about. Quantity, it is about relationship. It's not about the quantity of money you have. It's the relationship with the money that you have. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24, check this out. It says, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And then he really tells us what he's talking about. He says, listen, you cannot serve God and money. You can't do it. You can't serve both. You can't have two masters. You can't be kind of connected to both of these and servanthood to both of these masters. And it's calling these somehow things that can become masters in our life. We know God can become the great master in our life, but money equally can stand up and take charge in your life if you have a relationship that is not in a Christ mindset with the money that the Lord has blessed you with. Your wealth will not separate you from Jesus, but your relationship to it can do so in your life. You can only serve one thing at a time. And Jesus Jesus wants our money to serve us. He has put it in your lives so it can serve us so you can buy food, so you can bless the kingdom, so you can take care of your family, so you can He's put it there to serve us, but the enemy wants us to be a servant to our money. And when we become a servant to our money, greed has its latch in our soul and will destroy our soul. I preached about addictions, relationship issues, and mind issues, and all of those things can destroy your life. But equally, In fact, today is a bonus message because I didn't go into this series pretending to preach this message but just felt impressed to do so because I think it is a huge area where Christ, if He gets involved in our life, can absolutely heal and eradicate greed from our life in the name of Jesus. I believe that. I believe that. So, listen to this and I want you to listen closely. The power Jesus gives us to overcome greed is not to simply turn away from it. It's not to do that. Michael, do you? will you mind helping me just a second, bro? Come up, come up here just a minute. And then um, I want uh, Chris. Chris, come up here just a minute. And, and, and so I've got uh, uh, your God, okay? Does that feel good? Sorry, buddy. <laughs> your money... But I've got, a, I've got a $100 bill here. A no, easy. <laughs> easy. Go pay your tithes to God. No, I'm just kidding. All right, so look here. I can't serve both of these deals. There's nothing wrong with having this in our life, but I've got to make it servant to this in my life. And when I'm trying to serve both of them, then this is no longer serving me, but it becomes a, I become a slave to it. And when that happens, you, you instantly, you lose the joy of the journey and the process of even making the dollar bill in the first place because it becomes something that is holding you. Now, but listen to me closely, and I said this a few minutes ago. The power Jesus gives us in healing our finances and healing this greed in our life is, is for not for us to simply turn away from it. So it's not for me to simply go, Well, I'm on, I'm on, I'm gonna turn from it. I'm gonna turn from it so it doesn't control me anymore. And we and we think that sometimes that if I can if I can just turn from it, and but that's that's not the deal. You've got to turn to a new affection to destroy the old infection. You've got to turn to something. When Jesus told the rich man, he, the rich man walked up to him. He said, Lord, I've been following all your ways and your, and your, and your principles you laid out and your commandments. And Jesus is like, way to go, buddy. And he says, is there anything else I can do to inherit the kingdom of God? He says, sure. He said, go sell all you have. And give it to the poor. Now, if I can go back in principle to Christ and, and the Old Testament even in the Word of, and, and the Lord God Almighty, even with guys like Abraham, I can see that generally probably God is not wanting him to kill Isaac. He's wanting to see if Isaac is willing to. And I don't know. You take it where, where you want to. I don't know that he actually wanted the rich man to actually go sell all that he had and give it to the poor. I don't think that he wanted to make one man poor so that he can make another man rich. And I even got text for that and biblical word for that. But i got to tell you something. I I, I do believe that he is trying to teach this man a principle, and that is this. You've got to turn your back away from something, but you've got to move to a new affection. In other words, if you're going to come to me, you've got to let that no longer control you. Even though you have a lot of it, it can't control you. You've got to move to a new affection in your life. Does that make sense to anybody? And so we need to replace the sin of greed with a new affection. And that affection is a love, it's a virtue, it's a blessing in our life. Let's give it up for these two guys who've helped me greatly today. Now, now, just a minute, just a minute, just a minute. And so thank you for helping me today. I don't know if I've ever done this, but yes, it's about to happen. I pulled this out of my wallet today to give to you. Is that a blessing? Now, don't. You're pretty excited about it. I'm not quite as excited as you are, but I'm a joyful giver. So, now, now I, I I picked about that, but there is such a joy when I gave to him, and I chose him on purpose because he's a college kid working a job, about to kill himself trying to do all the 100 different things. And $100 means way more to all you folks than you folks. This, you're going, no, I don't. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you, to him, that's why he giggled and laughed and everything else because it can be a blessing to him. And you think that's not a joy for me to give into his life? It's a joy to the giver to give. But when I give, it's a blessing to me because it helps destroy and make sure that I'm not a servant to what I have, but that the money is going to serve me as we bless others, and it becomes a blessing to Him. Now go pay your tithes and let it be a blessing to you. <laughs> Amen? Somebody give the Lord a hand clap for free. <laughs> the ant, boy, I'm going to tell you, if I asked for help right now, <laughs> there would be people coming from the back row. Now I want to talk to you about, just for a few seconds here, what I consider to be the antidote for greed. I've tried to give you every message the antidote of the evil that would try to destroy you and that is the enemy. The antidote antidote for greed, I feel, is a word called contentment. Contentment. And let let me flesh that out Webster defines contentment as not desiring more than one has. It also says this word, satisfied. I really like this. It's living in your means. I want to say this. There is nothing wrong with wanting to succeed, improve, do better. As a matter of fact, God's Word teaches us to be thrifty and diligent in the management of our resources in order to increase our substance. He's all behind that. We've got all kind of verses. By the way, we've got way more verses on money in the Word of God than we do prayer or hell or all kind of stuff because he knew it could be a huge vice. It's a, the love of it is a root. So, so many other vices. But he's not against you having. He's not against you being blessed. He's not against you building uh, bigger things and driving nicer cars. He wants you to be bountifully blessed and all that God encourages us to work hard and to achieve and to rejoice in our success. Man, I'm, I'm excited in all that stuff. The other night we was at the house and we got a call. And the Pippins, here they come. And Jake Pippin come driving up, scared me. We brought in the wives, the kids. We brought in the dogs, scared to death. Jake Pippin drove up in a big old truck. God blessed that young man with a big old truck. I don't know where Jake's at today, but there, there's Jake. He's back there serving. He, God's blessed him. Man, we went out and rejoiced with him. It's beautiful. It looks like it's, it's brand new, man. It's, it, it, it's not brand new, but it looks like it's brand new. It's just gorgeous. And God's blessing. And we love to rejoice with other people's blessings. Jake, it's all right to rejoice in the blessings of God in your life. Amen? He went from a bicycle to a tundra. I mean, it's, it's worthy of blessing. Are you with me? And the best thing about it is his daddy's paying for it. You know what I'm saying? You remember those days? So God doesn't mind us having, doesn't mind us being blessed. We love to rejoice with one another. We rejoice in our own blessings. But what God disapproves of is a burning desire, this craving he talks about for more and more and more. And when you finally get there, you didn't arrive. And you keep working and working and you don't arrive and it turns into one thing after another and it roots in and it destroys and it pulls apart but there's a healer for that and that is contentment contentment in order to be content we must be listen to this we must be realistic you got to be realistic if you're going to be content you got to like you know shave off all the stuff and understand you got to be real. Some people are never content because they always feel entitled for more, and they're not being realistic. Somebody owes me something. I should have something just because I'm American, just because I, uh, I'm here, just because, whatever. I, I, I feel like I'm owed something, and I'm really frustrated, even when I get, even though it's more than maybe others have, I'm frustrated because I've set up this entitlement in my life And areas, be honest with you, that I really didn't deserve. And sometimes we set, our greed sets unrealistic things in our life. And for you to become content, you're going to have to be realistic. Let let, let, let me me give you an example that doesn't have anything to do with money. And that is this. If if you're a short man, I want to tell you something. You can wish, you can pray. You can fast. But you're going to be a short man when you get through. That's not right, is it? Let's do this one. You can be a bald man. Oh, you think that's funny. You can be a bald man. And I can fast, and I can pray, and I can have all kind of expectations but when I get through fasting and praying, I'm going to be a skinnier bald man. Because that's not going to grow me hair. I, I may have tried that <laughs> earlier on in life. You've got to be realistic. There are some things you cannot change but you need to change the things you can. You didn't go to school to be a doctor, so you can't expect a doctor's pay on your education. I said, we got to be realistic. Because content holds realistic very close to it. And this, listen to this. Hebrews chapter 13 of 5 talks about The secret to finding contentment is learning to enjoy the things you have rather than finding displeasure in what you do not have. And so contentment, I find, in our life has got to be learned. We've got to learn how to be content. Paul talks about this, Kevin. He said this. He said, I have learned... In whatsoever state I am. In other words, if I'm on the bottom or I'm on the mountaintop, I've got food. I don't have food. I'm in a prison. I'm not in a prison. Are you with me? And, and, and no matter what state I am, he says, and literally, Paul would be at seasons in his life when he was a hungry man. I've got scripture about it. He got hungry at times. He had all kinds of, he was boiled in hot oil, you name it. And whatsoever state I am, that's a huge part in there. There's no entitlement with that, therewith to be content. But notice something, he didn't just automatically wake up and because he was Paul, that he was content. He said, I have learned how to be content. It's obvious that. You don't just wake up and you're content. You don't just automatically leave here today and you're content. It's a learning curve. It's a learning process in your life. It's a state of mind that we must acquire through the Word of God. And we're teaching that here today because we want you to acquire acquire that and learn and grow into that. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, and I know I'm being a little more teachy than I was the other weeks, but hang hang on with me. Hebrews 13 to 5 says, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, he gives you this confidence, I will never leave you nor forsake you. What you've got, I blessed you with it. Be confident in that. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. It's a promise I give you. There's a story of a rich man who was horrified to find a fisherman lying leisurely beside his boat. He was taking it easy, hands behind his head, beside his boat. Why aren't you fishing, the rich rich man asked. He says, Because I have caught enough fish for the day, said the fisherman. Well, why don't you go catch some more? He said, well, what would I do with them? He said, well, you could earn more money. With that, you could fix a motor to your boat, go into deeper waters and catch more fish. And let me tell you the blessings of that. Then you would make enough money to buy yourself nylon nets instead of the ones that you have. And these would bring more fish and more money, and soon you would have enough money to own two boats and maybe even a fleet of boats. Then you would be rich as I am. The man says, well, what would I do then? He said, well, then you could really, really, really enjoy life. He looked back at them and he says, What do you think that I'm doing right now? So, isn't that a good story? When you look back at this short story, I want you to look at something. The fisherman says, he isn't fishing because I've caught enough fish for the day. Everybody say enough. Enough. I've caught enough fish for the day. But how much is enough? the secret to find out how many fish are enough fish for a day, and that when you find how many it takes to have enough fish for a day, then you will find the blessing of enjoying life in the moment. Enjoying what God has blessed you with for this season. Jesus has promised that if you do your part, he's going to supply your needs. What a promise he has given. Have you ever leaned on that promise? I'm going to tell you, I'm sure all of us have. In the Lord's Prayer, he taught us this. He said, give us this day our daily bread. Everybody say, enough He has promised us that, he said, listen, I want you to start praying a prayer that, Lord, you give me enough on Monday to take care of my Monday. You give me enough on Monday to take care of my children and my kids' college or whatever situation may be in your life. God, you know what I need today. Today may require more fish than yesterday because the season I am, but Lord, I'm asking you to give me enough bread for today. For if I keep more bread than I need, it becomes moldy, it becomes hard, it becomes a waste. But if you give me what I need today, that, my friend, is called a contentment. And when you find that You'll be able to enjoy next to the boat while the rich man is striving for more. Always enough. I want to teach you something to help you find commitment here. I want you to stand with me just a second. Would you do that, everyone? And this is what I'm going to ask you to do. This is a fight against greed in your life. It is how you find, one of the ways you find contentment. Are you ready? This is what I want you to do. I want you to throw your hands in just a second when I say something, and I want you to thank Jesus Christ for enough today, right now. He's been so good to us. Come on, just take just a minute and do a praise break right there. I know maybe you wish you had more, and, but he's given you enough. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many of you He put food on your table this week? I don't see anybody starving. Lift, keep that hand up and say, Lord, I lift my hands because you gave me enough. Hallelujah. I'm going to enjoy the fruit of what you've given me because you've given me enough. Come on, say thank you, Jesus, for enough. Come on, shout it out. Say thank you, Jesus, for enough. Can you give the Lord a hand clap of praise in this house today? Hallelujah! You may be seated. Bible says, talks about in Psalms 15 and verse 10. Our God is a very rich God. In fact, He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He is the God of supernatural. He is the God of di- divine provision. My God, Philippians 4:19 will supply. Hear me. Will supply all your. Come on, all your what? All your what? All your needs according to. The riches that are given to you by Jesus Christ. Jesus healed my finances. It came through the supply line of Jesus Christ. It came through. Him, it is by Jesus that He supplied for you. It is by Jesus that you're able to pay your bills this week. It is by Jesus that you have food on your table. We have to rejoice and be glad and content in the enough that Jesus gave us because he gave us enough. Enough. By Jesus Christ. Jesus wants to heal your finances. I honestly believe that. But he also wants you to get involved in the process. When I look through the Word of God, I find, uh, I thought about this uh, this morning, uh, of almost almost all the miracles that I see in the Word of God, and it may not be true to every one of them, but almost every miracle required the person that was involved who needed the miracle to get involved in the process. It was a lady with the issue of blood who had to press her way through the crowd. It was blind Bartimaeus who has, had to scream out, Jesus, thou son of David. When the world told him to shut up, he kept hollering more and louder, Jesus, thou son of David. He got involved. One man received healing for his eyes. Another man, another lady healing of her blood issue. On and on and on and on. Unless you're dead, you're needed to be involved in the process. And Jesus wants to heal your finances. He wants to give you a miracle. He wants to supply from God's supply line in your life. But he needs you involved in the miracle. He needs you involved in the process. And so I'm going to give you a few things here real quick. The Lord will heal your finances as you create a plan to tackle your debt. And the church is silent. We have a life group that we offer a few times a year And because life groups are in dot two for us. It's deliverance. And so we are believing that you can get deliverance in this area of finances. And so we offer a Dave Ramsey class. And, 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 and he teaches that so ably. And we've had people, you know, completely, and lots of people in this church, eliminate their debt in their life. One time, Adina and I, many years ago, one of the first ones we, we did together. Of the Dave Ramsey class, and we had probably 20 in the room, and we found through those 20 people, there were 550,000, I think it was, in debt, and that doesn't include their mortgages. The world is a slave to debt, and it's time, it's season, for us to move out from under that debt and get deliverance, but you've got to be involved in the process. If there is a miracle and God can do that, He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and He'll bless you. But He wants you involved in the process. The Lord will help your finances as you give. You become a giver in your life. Jesus was a giver. He was not a taker. He was always giving, giving, giving. And so you got to make a plan. You got to get involved in the process. And then you've got to be a giver in your life. I want to talk to you about just a, a couple little miracles here. Not little miracles, a couple of big miracles. And I got permission to, to use these different stories, and I'm going to hit the, just the top of it, okay? But the person who runs our uh, life group, for Dave Ramsey, the Financial Peace Life Group, is Kathy Ferguson, and she took this burden. But there's a reason why she did, because the, she, she went through this process herself, and had personal help and deliverance, and started working some things in her life and then jeff her her husband equally uh, a few times later got involved and went through financial peace himself, and he came out and, and he, he was walking to the car, and I, I say this with permission from them, but he was he was walking to his car on the final night of financial peace, and he said, "Baby." I want you to start paying Jesus his Motiva money. And she looked at him and she said, I sure will, honey baby sweetheart. (laughs) And she started paying off of his check and her check. And I got to tell you something. A few weeks ago, I made a remark about Kathy and I had her stand in the service and gave reference of just, just what God has done in their life. And I got a call the next day, and she said, Pastor, you know, thanks for sharing my story, but you've got to hear more about it. And she started walking me from day one, the process of God, how Christ has healed their finances when they got involved in the process. Folks, i got to tell you, her and I are both on the phone. I'm just, I mean, I'm shouting to the blessings of God of what happened when they started involving their finances Giving back to God what was rightfully his, God began to restore their finances. And I I, I can't go all into their personal stuff. I want to be careful. But I want to say this. All I can tell you is the year before them, they told me was the worst year they had ever had financially, jobs, promotions, things they was up for, didn't go through, all kinds of things. And they said, when we started giving to the house of God and giving God and stepping out in faith, that year, this past year for them, God has turned it around to be the most fruitful year of their entire marriage. Now, did that happen because I brought them up and laid hands on them? No. And I believe that there's something big about that, but it involves also them getting involved in the miracle. They got involved in the process. Yes, they started giving the house of God, but yet they also started trying to control and eliminate their debt, and God is doing incredible, incredible things in their life. I equally asked if I could share this story. Stand up with me. Stand up with me. I want you to just turn around the corner. Step out right here, right here, right here, right here. A lot of these people in this church don't know you. I want you to shout your name to them. I'm Steve. This is Steve and? Samantha. Steve and Samantha. Aren't we glad Steve and Samantha are in this church? They usually sit on the front row, but you didn't get here in time, did you, huh? All right. So Steve and Samantha are, are, are... Came to the church, and I got to talk to them Wednesday night, and I said, oh, can I tell your story? And I just want to hit it quickly. They came, they, and, and, and stop me if I don't say something right, but he said, he said, we were in another town, and we lost, they just started losing everything. He lost his job, lost everything, and she said, it's time to move back to Lumberton or to Lumberton or something, I don't know, like that. They moved here, and when they got here, they said, we got to start going to church, and they're kin to somebody else on the front row that stole their place, and so... They, 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 said, they said, we got to start going to church. And they started coming to church here. They started coming to church here, and God started putting together things in their life. And then they made a decision. They told me this Wednesday night. They said, when it really started turning around is when we started giving faithfully what God has asked us to give. And he said, since then, my job got better. Everything's starting to, huh? I got a job, he said. God started blessing them beautifully and bountifully. And she's, she looked at me, and she's like, oh, my goodness, this has changed me. It's not a get-rich-quick get scheme. That's not what we're talking about. It's a faith thing. Yes. And there are people that have gone to this church 20, 30 years, and I'm not trying to heap condemnation on you, that are still babies in this area. And Steve and Samantha are graduated to a whole nother level of faith in this category because they stepped out. They didn't have to give, but they gave, and God blessed them bountifully, and he's going to keep on blessing. I'm telling you, you you. <laughs> I always say I can't preach it enough. I preach about money about twice a year. I can't preach it enough for you to really get it. You either get it or you don't. If you don't get it, I can't take 37 offerings a week and let you get it. You either get it or you don't. But if you ever get it, there's a smile on your face of the goodness of God. Because if He doesn't give back financially, He's going to do some area, some category, He's going to bless into your life. Give it up for Steve and Samantha and what God's doing in their life. David Hernsberger. Went and started retiring. We met, Pastor, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm about to retire. Dear God, I don't even know how we're going to make it. I got a little nest egg, but I don't know how I'm going to make it. He started, and it was a stretch for him. He had never done this before. He started giving of his finances and giving his part, and it was a big stretch for him. Am I telling the truth? telling the truth. He retired and then God blessed him with a job if I think back with the same company he was. He was hired up so now he's not only getting his pension, he's making a whole nother level of money. The guy's making more money he's ever made in his life. Now, I'm not fixing to get you to put your hand on the TV screen. I'm not asking to get you to stand and start praying for limousines and jaguars. But I am here to tell you it's not a prosperity doctrine, but it's the truth of the living God. If you give, he blesses because the money becomes an opportunity to serve you. Can you stand and give the Lord a shout of praise if you believe that? Just a, five more minutes. You may be seated. The Lord is going to help your finances, but you've got to speak to your debt. You've got to speak to your debt. You've got to have a plan. You've got to be a giver. And you've got to speak to your debt. Because debt is a mountain in your life. It's a mountain in your life. You're a slave to it. Mark chapter 11, verse 23 says, I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. Now, is he literally talking about Mount Everest? Is he talking about literally dirt and rocks? I don't think so. I think he's talking about mountains, that, things that become mountains in your own life. And I can't hardly think of anything larger than debt in people's lives in America. Unbelievable in Canada for every dollar I read this this week, for every dollar, the person in Canada is spending a dollar sixty five America's worse. We've got to get a hold. It is enslaved the church, it's the slave people, and it's not God's will. we've got to do better. we've got to do better, contentment, but you've got to speak to the mountain it says you've got to speak to it, you've got to look at it and say, yo mountain you've been you've been there." I've had a poverty mentality since I was, first came in. But I'm speaking to this mountain and saying, not anymore, devil. We're going to step into this. We're going we're to step up to this. I refuse this in my life. Begin to speak of it, to it and get rid of it. And each time you receive that bill, I want you to hold it up and say, I claim it in the name of Jesus. I'm speaking to this. God, we've got to have victory. We've got to get out from under it. In the name of the Lord. James chapter 4 and verse 3. Can I just stop and say something real quick? Yeah. I was praying this week, or, or, or thinking as I was studying this week, we owe 800, around $800,000 on this church. It cost us uh, $1.8 million to build this building. Come here, Steve. Come here. I'm going to do an act of faith. Come here, bro. Come here. Steve's our financial treasure. Come here, Steve. I'm going to hold your hand right here just for just a few minutes, and then I'll give it back to Sharon. Listen, I'm claiming in the name of Jesus, I speak to that debt. Do you know what we could do in the kingdom if that was off of us? That's $10,000 a month before we turn a light switch on. We can come out from under that debt. Come on, the Lord has convicted us. Come on, if it can happen in your house, why can't it happen at the church? Huh? I'm going to tell you, and I hold hands with Steve today. And, 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 and I'm going to say, I started getting my calculator out. And I'm saying, if we put extra on this, we could pay this off. I think we've got eight more years on this note. I think we could have this thing paid for much sooner than that. Do I have anybody with faith? Anybody with faith? Anybody? I need you to help me just to speak to it. Would you speak to it? Come on, right now. Would you speak to it? Lord, we speak to that mountain. It's huge, it's big, but I serve a big God. God, we got to do our part, I understand, to get in the the middle of the miracle. But God, I'm asking you, in the name of Jesus, help us to eliminate this debt in Jesus' name. Somebody said amen. 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 So I'm not just preaching it. I want to see it. I want to see it. I want to see miracles. James 4 and 3 says, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly. You ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. So God is waiting for us to ask correctly. And when you ask correctly, you're asking in contentment and your passion is towards the right things. If you want to see God start moving in your finances, I want you to start asking him. I want you to ask him before you go buy that car. I want you to ask him before you buy that boat. Nothing wrong with either. I already preached all that. But ask him. Let him stop you, start you. Let him be a part of it. Let him be the God. You be committed to Christ and not be a slave to the other master and watch this Christ start giving into your life and blessing into your world. In Jesus' name. John 16, 24, Jesus says, You have not asked for anything in my name, but if you ask and you will receive so that your joy will be the fullest joy? Why does He God want you to ask so he can give you? Why does he want to give so you can receive? Why does he want you to receive so you'll be full of joy? Why does he want you to be full of joy? Because you're great advertisement for who he is. How do I know that Jesus will heal your finances? And this is the scripture that I've never seen till this week. Look at this. How do I know that Jesus wants to heal your finances? 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and verse 9. And it so parallels with so many of the other texts that I've used throughout this series. And when I found this, I was lit up. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody say, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus healed my finances. Everybody say, Jesus healed, finances. Jesus healed my finances. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, this is a New Testament scripture, that though he was rich, Yet, for your sake, he became poor so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Jesus healed my finances. Is that beautiful? Would you stand with me this morning? I got a call this week. Scott, you got to hear this. I got a call this week. And this is a faith builder that I'm about to give you. It's not in the world of finances, but it's here to build your faith. Second week of this series, I preach Jesus healed my addictions, right? I got a call this week. And the person on the other end says, Pastor, I've got to call you. He said, I don't want to make a video. (laughs) And he said, I don't want you to tell my name. He said, but I gotta tell you what the Lord has done for me. This is a good guy. It's a good guy. He said, Pastor, when you preach, Jesus healed my addictions. He said, The Holy Ghost prompted me that I had to let go of something that has held me for 25 years. He said, I've been smoking pot for 25 years. I said, okay. He said, and the Holy Ghost said, it's got to go. That day that you spoke on that. And that anointing began to break that bondage. He wrote it on a piece of paper, stepped out the door, dropped it in a fire, and I remember hugging his neck as I hugged so many other people's necks, and I said, in the name of Jesus. He put it in the fire, the fire destroyed it, and it destroyed more than a piece of paper. He said, Pastor, I am completely pot-free, and I will never go back he's got involved in the miracle he's got involved in the miracle he said I would wake up at night with cold sweats 25 years he said I've started to lose my memory I've smoked it so long my memory is super short now and he says I gotta tell you clarity of mind is coming back to me he said my memory's starting to come back to me I think that's dot three called restoration because what the enemy stole yeah. woke up, woke up with cold sweats he said everything within me wanting to go and fix the problem but I stood on the promise that Jesus healed my addictions and folks I gotta tell you he said things are clearing up things are healing in my life God's doing amazing things if that's not crazy come on I didn't do that that's something bigger remember we prayed a prayer at the beginning of the year God do some things that we wouldn't even get the glory for I can't do that come on I can't do that We can't do that as a church, but I know a God. We call him Jesus who can deliver you and whatever you are against. He'll heal your relationships. He'll heal your addictions. He'll heal your mind. He'll heal your finances. If that can't build your faith for finances, then if God can do it in that, he can do it for anything. Amen. And he's also, next week, I believe, going to heal people's bodies in the name of Jesus Christ. If that excites you, would you lift your hands and thank the Lord that he has done this. That's the holiness of God taking root in people's lives. Thank you, Jesus.